Hey friends, Thanksgiving will be here before we know it. It's hard to believe, I know. Now, do you want to have truly a grateful holiday season instead of a grumbly one? Well, I'm so excited about my new resource, The Grumble Free Year. It's available for pre-order now. If you go to thegrumblefreeyear.com, there's links to all the places you can pre-order it. And if you do, right there on that website, thegrumblefreeyear.com, you can sign up to get some free bonuses. And that includes some color sheets that you can print up. I actually use these very scripture sheets to teach my kids scriptures about not grumbling. There's also a gratitude journal that you can use during this holiday season. Now, it's online, so kids, even little kids, can draw their pictures of things that they're grateful for. The fun thing is, with our family, we put it inside of a binder, and then I'm going to, every year, add another set of this journal. So this will be a keepsake for us. We can print them up, write things we're grateful for, write 2019 on it. Next year, we'll have 2020, and over the years, we can look back and see the things that we were grateful for. So I hope you check out those free bonuses at thegrumblefreeyear.com. And I know if you want to be grateful instead of grumbling, I know this book is for you too. Okay, friends, we are going to talk about something that I think I never really thought of before. And that is how the world sees us and how we should be really acting. Now, as a Christian, you know, we always sing and talk about um, love and joy and peace. But is that what the world really needs from us? So when you think about it, what does the world need? They need to know about Christ. They need to know about his love. They need to know about his grace, his compassion. But they also need to know about sin. They need to know where they've fallen short. They need to know that they need God. Otherwise, what's the point? If there is a God out there that um, is fine with whatever they do, then they really don't need them, do they? But I think so many times, instead of talking to the culture, instead of really pouring out our hearts, sharing our flaws, um, sharing uh, what's right and what's wrong, we stand behind the smiley face. I'm picturing the Walmart smiley face here, um, that little logo. And we try to be nice and we try to be good. And we try to offer the world basically blandness. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So uh, my guest is Sharon Hottie Miller. She is um, a pastor with her husband at the Bright City Church in Durham, North Carolina. We're going to hear about her life and her kids, but mostly we're going to be talking about her digging deep. And is it enough just to be nice? Is it enough to just offer a smile and play Christian worship music and be kind to the people around us? Or does the world around us need more? Now, I have to say, um, I just started reading this book the day before the interview because it's been a little bit busy here. But this is a book where once I started reading, I know it's one that I'm going to keep with my Bible. And when I do my quiet time, um, I'm going to be reading it more because there is so much good stuff. And there is stuff that I honestly haven't read about in a lot of books. So we're going to be talking today about her book, Nice, Why We Love to Be Liked, and How God Calls Us to More. So I think you're going to enjoy this interview with Sharon. You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. 
author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, today in Walk It Out, we are going to talk about being nice or not being nice or all the things in between nice and not nice. Um, I have a new guest that it's new to me. I'm so excited because I love making new friends. So my guest today is Sharon Hottie Miller. So welcome, Sharon. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here and we've been chatting about kids and all the fun stuff of ministry life and kid life, which is also our ministry life. But mm-hmm. um, why don't you just start by introducing yourself to my listeners and telling them a little about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I am in Durham, North Carolina, where my husband and I just planted a church about a year ago. And so we are in the middle of that. And that has been wild and fun and faith growing and challenging and exciting, all of the things. So we do that. And then we also have three kids and my oldest is turning seven. Uh, We, I was just telling you earlier, we just had a birthday party for him this morning. And then my middle is four. And then our youngest, our only girl is a year and a half. And we are all just obsessed with her. We just orbit around her. (laughs) She's (laughs) super duper cute. And we just love her. And she's super sweet. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my days are church and family. And then I'm also an author and I travel some and speak. And so yeah, our lives are very, very full, but with good things. Yeah, so good. And you know, we mentioned church planting. And I've heard like, that's like one of the hardest things. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, it, you're starting everything from the ground up, mm-hmm. you're building the congregation, pouring into people. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it like a 24 seven thing? And then you have the kids. Yeah. And yeah, it's really last summer was just bananas, because we had just moved, we just had a baby. We also moved into a fixer-upper. It was kind of how mm-hmm. we got the house in the area where we wanted to live is we bought this really old house that needed a lot of work. And so we had to renovate it. And then uh, I was writing a book and we were planting a church. And so it was just crazy. It was really, really crazy. But yeah, it's, it is, it's hard that you're building the infrastructure. You don't have, you know, a full staff. So you're relying on volunteers and... So your expectations for people are, you know, that they are volunteers. It's not their job. And then you also kind of have what you need, but you have the people that you have and those things don't always fit. And so that leads to a lot of just having to be creative and, you know, just do the best that you can. And then while you're doing all of that, you're also pastoring a church. And so you have people in crisis. You are counseling people. You're, you know, doing, you know, addressing needs. And then the thing, too, that I was just really, really unprepared for is the spiritual warfare piece just of, you know, the church has an enemy. And so just dealing with that has been really unlike anything I've dealt with before on this level. And so all that combined, it's, it's really tough. And it, 
Yeah, it it my my husband and I are very high achievers. We both are have our MDivs and our PhDs, and we've both been in ministry. And so we came in, you know, I think as prepared as we could be. But this has knocked us down a few bags, that's for sure. So it's it's been a lot. Well, I think also just knowing the community and what's going on and just how to connect with different people in a different community. Mm-hmm. And like I did a teen mom support group in Montana mm-hmm. for about nine years mm-hmm. and um, it's rural Montana. So there's cows out the back pasture mm-hmm. in Montana and we moved to inner city Little Rock. Oh, wow. um, and I started a teen mom support group here, but the issues we face, like, I mean, some of these young moms, you know, we, we, one of them had lost a cousin in gang violence. Mm. And so in the meeting they were talking about, I'm like, how many of you, well, there's probably like 12 girls in the meeting have lost family members to gang violence. And every single one of them raised their hand. And I'm like, okay, this is so, I mean, and it's just so unique for our church Mm -hmm. in this inner city, but in anywhere you go, it's just going to be what's the culture? Mm-hmm. What are people dealing with? I mean, there's the general things mm-hmm. that people deal with, mm-hmm. but then there's all the individual things of that community. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there is it's such a learning curve where you are learning who are the people that God is sending and how do we reach them specifically? And it's, yeah, it's a very, very steep learning curve. So it's been really, it's been really humbling, but we are also confident beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is where God wants us to be. And he has provided in so many different ways that are clearly him and not us. And so that is really freeing, especially on hard days where things Mm -hmm. aren't going well and, you know, things go wrong. And we just look at each other and say, you know what? this was not our idea (laughs) (laughs) and we have nothing to prove, you know, we're just showing up. This is, this was God's idea. And so we, we're just going to say yes and then just let him take care of it. And there really is, that is the, the easy yoke of following Jesus. Right. Yeah. And I think he gives us those those moments of like amazing things or big things or answers to prayer happening. So during those times when things don't seem to be going right we can look back and like he's Uh here he was there he definitely led us on that Uh path yes exactly so you know i've been thinking about this as i'm um i started yesterday at the eye doctors with my kids Uh reading your book which is so fun tucking into my purse but um just the concept of being nice because it made me think of the teen moms that i work Uh with um because most of them are either african-american or hispanic Uh And I I just like really came in just wanting to be nice, wanting everyone to like Mm. me. And I mean, the group was going fine, Mm -hmm. but then some older African-American ladies came in and they're like, no, you can't be doing that. You can't be talking that way. And they were like, (laughs) not nice, but they were, the girls reacted so well to them and really like buckled up and like improved their behavior. And I'm like, I was being too nice. Like I'm just trying to get everyone to love Uh me and like to go along with our support group. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I know, I mean, that's, that's kind of like my side story, but I would just love to hear um, the book is nice. Why we love to be liked and how God calls Mm -hmm. us to more. And I would just love to hear like your heart and why was this okay. the book that you wanted to write? Yeah. So the the idea for the book actually came from my first book. So I wrote a book a couple years ago called Free of Me, Why Life is Better When It's Not About You. 
And in the first chapter of that book, I believe there was just a paragraph where I was looking back on my childhood and how I was this really nice Christian kid. I was a nice Christian girl. Mm -hmm. I was a rule follower, achiever, people pleaser, all of that. And at the time, I would have said, I am these things because I am a Christian, you know, because of Jesus. And I think some of that was true. But the older Mm -hmm. I got, the more I could also look back and see that I was those things because it was really beneficial to be. And it earned me a lot of praise and a lot of affirmation and a lot of approval, especially from all the adults in my life. And so I could look back and see that my motivations for my behavior and really my identity were all kind of muddled. You know, I thought it was about Jesus, but a lot of it was also about me. And so I had just a paragraph of that in Free of Me. But I, after that book came out, I just couldn't let it go. It, it kept just haunting me. And I think the reason why is that I could tell that tendency, I had not left it behind. It had followed me mm-hmm. into adulthood and it had followed me into ministry. And I noticed it, you know, it's interesting that you kind of use that example of, of ministry, that default to niceness. And I noticed there would be times in ministry when I knew that God was prompting me to say or to write something that was difficult. And I wasn't sure how my readers would respond to it. And I would hesitate and I wouldn't want to do it because I was afraid they wouldn't like it. And they wouldn't, more specifically, I was afraid they wouldn't like me. And that they would reject me. They would stop reading me. They would unfollow my blog, you know, all of that. And I, I had to just stop and examine myself and be honest about that cowardice, I guess you could say, that I would rather, you know, I didn't want to sacrifice that, that nice girl image. And so I, I started just wrestling with that, that more and more. And then also noticing how niceness is such a virtue in our culture that, that so many of us default to. And and the reason we do is that it is so personally beneficial when you choose to be nice instead of truthful, you know, when you choose to be nice instead of honest, when you choose to be nice instead of bold. And, you know, it, it makes those interpersonal relationships a lot easier when you say what mm-hmm. is nice instead of what is the truth. Uh, but it's not necessarily loving. And that is, you know, the women that you just mentioned, that's such a great example is you can be nice to them all the live long day, but that is not going to help them. And so just realizing that we have, we have this false virtue in our culture, but it's become, it becomes especially sinister when it creeps into the church and replaces actual discipleship to Christ. And I think that is what has happened for a lot of us is we're very, very good at looking good. We know how to be nice Christians and it looks so much like the real thing, but it is only a veneer. And because of that, we are not actual (laughs) disciples of Christ. (laughs) And that veneer, it falls away very, very quickly. And I think all you have to do is go on social media (laughs) 
and yeah. see people who have these really spiritual sounding Twitter bios and then, you know, the way they communicate themselves <laughs> is a whole other matter. So that, that was the whole, that was kind of the long version of where this came from, of this false faith that I had discipled myself into, that I think a lot of us have discipled ourselves into, and it is worthless in the kingdom of God. Yeah, that is so good. And I have so many thoughts in my mind. I'm like, which mm-hmm. direction? Because there's so many mm-hmm. good things here in what you just said. First of all, I live mm-hmm. in the South. And so I mentioned the mm-hmm. eye doctor. There's Hillsong playing uh-huh. at the eye doctor. There's, there's you know, Hillsong playing. Mm-hmm. Gary Job is playing when I'm getting my hair cut. The pizza yeah. parlor. I mean, it's this is like Christian mm-hmm. society. I remember when we first moved here from Montana. Just, I'm like, what in the world? There's like worship, like it's true worship music, music blaring mm-hmm. at the pizza. But then the, the the staff, like I hear them cussing. Mm-hmm. In the, I don't know. And just like the people, I don't know. It's just like, okay, this is so like, this is, we're nice. We're, we're playing our worship yep. music, but they were yep. so like not acting nice. But even when you said like being the good girl and nice girl, like that was me, like on the mm-hmm. outside, I like had everything together and was super nice and uh, good. But you know, when I found myself pregnant mm-hmm. at 15, I actually had an abortion, which is something I really regret because I didn't want anyone mm-hmm. to know, like I wasn't nice. I wasn't yeah. the good girl that everyone thought I was, which is mm-hmm. another big thing. But even I remember like, even our theology gets wrapped up in that. Cause I remember like, you know, the flannel graph, mm-hmm. Bible story, Sunday school teacher talking about like Jesus turning over the tables and um, in the temple because he was angry at the mm-hmm. money changers. And I thought, you know, it says Jesus never sinned, but obviously the Bible's wrong because he sinned because uh, he's angry uh, and he is like turning over uh-huh. those tables. And later I realized like, it's okay to be uh-huh. mad and angry uh-huh. at injustice. Yeah. Um, that is like a godly uh-huh. trait, but Jesus wasn't nice uh-huh. to those people because he was like shooing them out uh-huh. of the courtyard and turning over tables. And I think so many times we do get the wrong theology of thinking like nice uh-huh. is Christian, which no, standing up for godliness and 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 speaking against or wickedness is the Mm -hmm. right thing to do um and you wrote i love this it said um jesus was loving he was gracious he was forgiving he was kind but Mm -hmm. he was not nice he was a man who would leave the 99 sheep to rescue the one but he was still totally unafraid of offending people and then you go on to say um, Jesus understood the difference between graciousness and personal mm-hmm. compromise, between speaking truth and needlessly alienating people. Rather than wearing a shiny veneer, he became the embodiment of rugged love. And I have like rugged love mm-hmm. on line like three times because that is so mm-hmm. good. Like he mm-hmm. knew the difference. And I think we have a hard time in our Christians mm-hmm. should be nice <laughs> that we mm-hmm. people get upset if we're mm-hmm. going to stand up against, mm-hmm. for what is right mm-hmm. or against things. Yeah, you're exactly right. There's there's so much to unpack about what you just said. I I feel just the story you shared earlier about having an abortion, that really just grabbed at my heart because I think that that captures the tension of nice Christianity and how it is impossible mm-hmm. to follow Jesus and this nice Christianity because I think at the intersection of abortion is where you discover on the one hand, we as Christians say we are pro-life, but we are also so committed to this nice Christianity, this nice Christian image 
that if someone, you know, steps outside of that image, they feel so much shame that it they they will take steps to uphold that image. And I think that that comes from mm-hmm. I don't think that comes necessarily from within, maybe a little bit, but I think it comes from our culture. And it's like we cannot we cannot say that we are pro-life and then shamelessly uphold this nice Christian image at the same time. We just can't do it. And the the fallout of that is abortions in the church that are happening. And golly, that really, um, that just tugs at my heart because I'm sure there could even be women listening right now who are in that place where that, that nice Christian image is just oppressive to them. And it is such a source of shame because we're trying to hold it up, even though what's, you know, underneath it is broken and hurting. And, um, yeah, that, that is, that makes me want to like go to war on the nice Christian image, you know, oh, it really don't even like get me started on that. But, um, yeah, you're exactly right about the, you know, speaking up. And so, what I, I don't know how far you've gotten into the book, but for your listeners to give them a little bit of taste on just the arc of the book is what I decided to do is name this, this, this nice Christianity. Like how do we identify that I have discipled myself into this false Christianity that that looks really good instead of discipleship to the one true Christ. And Jesus has this metaphor that is so helpful where he says that you can know a tree by its fruit. And because nice Christianity, Mm -hmm. it does look so much like what we think disciples of Jesus are supposed to look like. It can be really deceptive. We can fool other people, but honestly, I think we can fool ourselves. And so I thought, okay, what are the bad fruits of nice Christianity? And I first just started by asking myself, you know, where do I see, what do I see the fruit of this when I choose niceness over truth, honesty, you know, courage. And so the, the first bad fruit I noticed was inauthenticity, just how you are, you choose Mm -hmm. to be nice instead of honest. And it, it makes it difficult to have authentic relationships with people when you're constantly just being nice. You don't want to have hard conversations. You don't want to have confrontation, even though, you know, maybe your friend has been flirting with someone they're not married to, or maybe that family member has been, you know, drinking more than, you know, is probably healthy and, and you, but you just choose to be nice. You know, you, you have these inauthentic relationships. Um, but that also leads to the second fruit of niceness, which is cowardice. And that was, you know, what I encountered in ministry when I would choose to be nice instead of obedient. A lot of that was just because of cowardice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also noticed, um, self-righteousness, how I was such a nice girl that I looked down on people who weren't as nice as me, even though, you know, it came easily to me because it just got me so many things, you know? I So it wasn't necessarily virtuous. It, I was just, you know, self-serving in a lot of ways. And then one example, one chapter I talk about that you kind of alluded to with just being in the South is a fruit of niceness is sentimentality, sentimental Christianity. And I don't Mm -hmm, think we talk mm -hmm. about this quite as often, but, you know, sentimentality is a very feelings-based faith. And I think that we 
see it turn up a lot in Christian subculture and in nostalgia and in family traditions, you know, the way that your family has always done things, the way that your church has always done things. You know, I I think that sentimental Christianity, what ends up happening is you kind of immerse yourself in Christian subculture. And it's not that those things, it's not that Christian music in every office you go to is necessarily a bad thing, but we can sort of use it as something that we retreat into to stick our head in the sand and to not engage the actual suffering of the world, like what's actually going on in the world instead of, you know, the church and our faith is meant to be an outpost, you know, to send us out into the world. Um, And, you know, whenever anything is really feelings based, we tend to seek after what feels good, whether or not that is biblical. (laughs) And that's Instagram. Yeah. So. (laughs) So, yeah, that's kind of the first half of the book is just identifying what are these bad fruits of nice Christianity. Yeah. And one thing um, that you didn't mention that is also a chapter is corruption. Um, the fruit of corruption, which is this rotten. When you hear things happening or people get caught uh-huh. doing stuff, they're so nice. They're such nice. And I'm like, oh my, that's happened in our lives where, you know, the people that you wouldn't suspect, um, uh-huh. expect to uh-huh. do these things end up being, I mean, there's just that layer underneath uh-huh. that, yeah, that really the fruit. And then you uh-huh. get, then looking back, you can kind of see things uh-huh. that maybe you weren't. Um, yeah, we, you know, we are taken in by niceness, especially when it is our pastor uh, or a leader who has meant a mm-hmm. lot to us and maybe baptized us or baptized our kids or led us to faith. And, you know, when it, when it's discovered that, you know, they weren't all that they appeared to be, I think the temptation is to deny it or to circle the wagons or even before that reveal to just overlook red flags. And this is a huge problem Mm -hmm. right now. You know, we're seeing that with the Catholic abuse scandals. We're seeing it, you know, even this Southern Baptist convention has devoted a lot of attention to that lately. Thank goodness. But how, when we do that, when we are yeah. sort of wooed by niceness in others, it's, it causes us to, there's a failure of discernment that takes place. And the issue there is not so much that, it, that we are duped. The issue then is that when we fail to discern that there is a, you know, a wolf in the, in the flock, um, that we will fail to protect the vulnerable. And that is really, mm-hmm. really the issue that, that we are called to protect and to guard the vulnerable just as Jesus did. And, and when we are deceived by niceness, and sometimes we're deceived because we want to be deceived, we end up not protecting those people. Yeah, or recently oh, I had my yeah. friend Mary DeMuth, who's a good friend of mine. She was on the podcast uh-huh. talking about her book, We Too. And we even talk about uh-huh. because we want to protect uh-huh. our image, we will not, um, we will almost the victim uh-huh. kind of brush them uh-huh. aside because we're trying to protect uh-huh. the image of Christianity instead of really uh-huh. standing up against the people who have caused abuse, which is, again, we got to mm-hmm. let everyone know that we're just nice. We're good. Yeah. We're not like, this is a problem here. Protect our image instead of really coming down hard on those mm-hmm. who are yes. Um, yes. hurting That's exactly others. right. That, that image management of our church that we want to protect the reputation of our church. And as if that 
you know, ultimately serves the reputation of Jesus somehow. <laughs> and just remembering, yeah. guys, we do yeah, not no. have to protect <laughs> Jesus's reputation. His reputation is absolutely right. fine. And when we fail, people aren't going to think badly of Jesus. They'll only, you know, it just reflects on us. And, and that is our, our opportunity to say, yes, I'm a sinner. We are sinners. That is why we need Jesus. Look at him, you know, but too often our, our reflex is to try and, you know, do damage control for our reputations and people see straight through it. It doesn't accomplish, it accomplishes the opposite of what we are trying to do. Right. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, let's talk about the positives, Mm -hmm. the cultivating the better tree. Because, yeah, you talked about the first half of the book is is pointing out this bad fruit. And then, but also Mm -hmm. there's things that we can cultivate. Um, And so talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So when I first was writing the book, I thought that the second half would be kind of like a photo negative of the first half. So I would have in the first half of the book, I would look at these are the bad fruits of niceness. And then in the second half, I would look at I'd say these are the good fruits of the spirit. But the more I thought about that, I felt like, you know, that is missing some steps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if if a farmer, say you have an apple farmer, I guess that's what it's called, an apple farmer? <laughs> <laughs> an orchard owner? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever they are. Um, if he has a sick tree that is bearing sick fruit, you know, bad fruit, he doesn't walk up to the tree and say, stop bearing those fruit, bear better fruit, you know? Right. <laughs> he, he cultivates a, a healthy tree. You know, sometimes the, the metaphor Jesus uses, sometimes he just cuts the tree down. But you can also, you can help a tree to heal. You can make it healthier so that it, it bears better fruit. And that is uh, a series of steps, I think, that are often missing for how we talk about spiritual growth is we'll often say, okay, don't be this, be this. You know, right. don't be nice, be kind. Don't be mean, be nice. You know, all that and you see it on Instagram, you see it on t-shirts, you see it on Christian inspirational wall art of, you know, be kind, be gentle, be patient. And I even, I I have, since writing this book, I, I do still tell my kids to be nice, but I try and use more precise language when I'm thinking about it. Of I want you to be kind. I want you to be thoughtful. I want you to think of others. But I I realized after a while that that they don't know how uh-huh. they those are fruit like I don't simply want them to do what I ask I want it, it to grow out of something within them and I need to help them cultivate that as their mom and it's the same for myself is the the solution is not to simply just act a different way but to change as a person. And so the second half of the book is how do you cultivate your soul in a way that you're bearing the fruit of the spirit organically? So this isn't just an appearance that you're kind of trading out or putting on, but it's coming from something deep rooted inside of you and abiding in Christ. And so I want that second chapter to feel very, very practical of these are the steps for for cultivating this in yourself. Yeah, that is so good. So when we, 
adopted we have adopted seven kids and then the last four are sibling group and they were preteens and teenagers and it was so hard because i mean they've had a whole childhood of people teaching them wrong things and mm-hmm. they're in foster care and i just like don't do this act this way and it just mm-hmm. was not working and what you were just saying is like i can i could tell them till i'm blue in the face to be nice or mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. kind or to be gentle but they don't have it like the fruit isn't in like they don't have the root of Christ in them, right. his mm-hmm. spirit in them. So I'm like, I'm wasting my time. I just need to give them Jesus. So we just spent a lot of time. We read the Bible, they memorize scripture, we would mm-hmm. read this. And as the more I guide them in mm-hmm. knowing God, knowing his word, we spend mm-hmm. time, we spend time in prayer. Mm-hmm. I tell them to pray for the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit is Christ in you. Mm-hmm. And the fruit of that is what comes out of Christ mm-hmm. in you. It's like you mm-hmm. can't be kind, gentle, loving. Mm-hmm. And then we started changing. Like, I can't yeah. just tell them because they like no one in their whole childhood put that into them or mm-hmm. they didn't have Christ in them. And yeah. so the more time we've spent in Bible study and prayer, then God in them mm-hmm. help them to be kind yeah. or yeah. to be gentle or all those things. So I think that's such a good example that you can't just like walk up to the fruit and like, you need to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to get yeah. to the root of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. That, gosh, that's so helpful to me because, you know, you have logged so many more years of parenting than me. And so that is really wonderful wisdom <laughs> for me <laughs> to receive too. I really, I'm going to take that to the bank. Thanks for saying that. That was really helpful. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Get to their heart, get to the root of the thing. And mm-hmm. and then the and all those, all the good stuff will come out, but mm-hmm. you can't yeah. just expect it to all mm-hmm. come out. Yeah. And that it takes time too, that it, you know, when you, you cultivate a field, you know, you start by tilling the soil and casting out the seed and, and then you don't know when, and it's the same with planting a church, honestly, is it doesn't mm-hmm. happen right away. And you have to trust that the growth will come, that if you are engaging in these practices that God has given to us, but also trusting him, that it's ultimately God who gives the growth, that the growth will ultimately come, even if you don't see it for a really, really long time. And that's so hard with, you know, my kids are so little and my, my oldest is just not interested in spiritual things at all. And I have to just be patient with that (laughs) and just keep giving time and just keep talking about, you know, Jesus and praying and all of that. But it's in the meantime, it feels like when is the growth going to come? Yeah. And it's so good because, um, I was working with teen moms. So teenagers that were moms while my kids were like preteen. So I kind of was, you know, had that working with them first. And I remember like we'd read scripture and I do devotions and these young moms are like rolling their eyes Uh and they're like talking to each other. Uh And I'm like, Oh my word, at least my kids at home would listen, even though they didn't seem like they were paying attention. Uh But then the amazing thing was years later, these young moms are like, remember when you said, or remember that verse, what was that verse uh-huh. that you said? And I'm like, oh my goodness, you were listening uh-huh. like that. And so even when we brought our girls home, we'd be like doing devotions. And at first of all, first of all, they got adopted. Then they went from public school to homeschooling. And now mom's like spending an hour reading the Bible. and doing uh-huh. stuff. So they were like, what in the world? You're supposed to be teaching us math. And I'm like, no, this is like the most important stuff. And they were not interested. Like uh-huh. they were like rolling their eyes. Yeah. They were like, this is stupid or I'm almost trying to fall asleep. Yeah. And I'm, you know, but I'm like, I remembered those teen moms. I'm like, it doesn't matter yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> like if it seems like this is the last thing uh-huh. that they want to be doing or they're not interested or they're not listening, Mm -hmm. that it will 
it will take root in there. And then later, and we've seen, I have even seen in the three years since they've been adopted, I've seen changes, I've seen transformations, mm-hmm. I've seen all the things. And so I think that's an encouragement to parents out there, like do like sit down and read the Bible mm-hmm. and do that prayer time and devotional time, even mm-hmm. though it seems like your kids are not interested or not getting it, mm-hmm. like it will, it will make a difference in the long run. That's so encouraging. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Okay. So I know a lot of people there are like, oh my gosh, I know I'm too nice. <laughs> I'm like totally relating to all of this and I don't want to, I don't want to confront my coworker. Or I okay. don't want to, whatever. I mean, whatever it is, um, just let's talk practically. Okay. Like what are steps that we could, st- we could take to, to, um, to change. I don't want to say not stop being mm-hmm. nice, but <laughs> to change. And I guess follow God, mm-hmm. even if it seems like we aren't going to be the nice person that everyone mm-hmm. expects. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of it is just kind of like what you said with your kids. A lot of it is, you know, spending time in God's word and spending time in prayer and spending time in worship. But some of it too is, I think, I tend to think of some of the things like courage, things like kindness. Mm -hmm. I also think a little bit of those things like muscles that we have to slowly strengthen because I think that we always, we always assume we look back on heroes throughout history who stood up and said the right thing. Instead of being nice, they did the right thing at the right time, even though it cost them a lot. And I think we'd all like to think of ourselves as that, that if the time came or I had to stand up and do the right thing that I would do it. But the reality is we are not, it's, it's almost like if someone told you one day you're not a runner, but then someone said, now you need to run a marathon. <laughs> and you hadn't trained yeah. for it at all. And that's, it's the same with being a person of courage where you, if you're not training now, when that day comes, you won't be ready for it. And there's so many opportunities for us to exercise small acts of courage. Think of it as lifting that little five pound weight. (laughs) When are those opportunities to to exercise courage? And, you know, it could be having, you know, a harder conversation with a loved one that you don't want to have. And it it doesn't have to be a dramatic conversation, but just a conversation that, that you need to have. It could be speaking up when, you know, you have a family member who maybe says something that is racist or inappropriate. And instead of just sort of chuckling it off, actually, you know, saying something about and, and having a conversation. But I, I think there's so many opportunities for us to exercise courage now. And, and just a side note I, that I mentioned in the book is we, we often think of bravery as just doing something that scares you. But when within the church, the Christian understanding of courage has been a lot more specific than that and a lot more focused than just, you know, I'm afraid of heights and so I'm going to go skydiving <laughs> kind of a thing. But right. the, the, the church has historically understood courage as being rooted in love of God and others. And so taking those opportunities when you are afraid but you know that you need to say something or you need to do something as an act of faithfulness to God and an act of love for others that you would actually do it. And so that, you know, you're strengthening that, that courage muscle. And, and so that's just one, one example that I think about a lot. Yeah, that's really good. It made me think of, um, 
I mean, I was probably a Christian maybe 10 years at this time, but there was a, a friend that recently had become a Christian, like within the last year. And every time we talk on the phone, she would like just put down her husband, like he did uh-huh. this and you won't believe he did this. And then he said this. And I just, it would just uh-huh. bother me. And I remember one day just telling her, you know, I, every time I talk bad about my husband, it like hurts our relationship. But when I praise him, especially to other uh-huh. people, then he like does more of the uh-huh. right things. And like it, my heart was pounding in my chest and, and she's like, Oh, I don't think about that. But kind of like moved on. Well, later she came back and said how much that helped her, but it took like courage uh-huh. for me um, to, to even confront her. Like, you know, I didn't, wasn't like, Hey lady, you are really putting down your husband. You uh-huh. stop, but just turn it around. Like I found in my marriage, um, but it like, we don't want to do that. We don't want to stand up to people and encourage them to do the right thing or to treat other people. Like you said, loving God and loving others and caring for them. We don't, we don't, it's just easier to like go along and later say, man, you know, uh, she's kind of mean to her husband, but not do anything uh-huh. about it or say anything uh-huh. about it. But I think it is important to take those little steps, like you said, working uh-huh. the muscle and taking those little steps and uh-huh. it'll lead us to being courageous and being able to speak out against yeah, bigger we, things. Yeah, because when we look back on history, we can see that those big moments, they come. And sometimes mm-hmm. Christians have not been ready and they have failed. And it has been to yeah. the disgrace of the church. And so it it matters. It really, really matters wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever your life is like, your personal discipleship to Jesus, whether or not you're becoming someone who will actually choose him instead of just going along with the status quo, it really, really matters. So I, you know, that's, that's the thing that I, I want to communicate too, is that this is not just about people pleasing. This is not just about belonging. This is, we live in a world where people are desperate for actual courage. They're desperate for, for people that will count the cost out of love for them. They, they really are. And so this isn't just, you know, a gimmick. <laughs> this, right. this matters to people in the world. It does. It does. And it really is. Um, when we would go on mission trips, the, the first things we teach our teens that we would take is um, step one, you know, help them to trust Christians. Step two, become curious mm-hmm. about Jesus. And it all goes back to they can't trust us if we are just having that yeah. fake, false oh, that is, niceness. That's so true. Um, that's such an obstacle that people have to overcome. It really is. Yeah. Okay, this is such good stuff. And I, you know, started reading and then I started looking through because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, there's some books you could pick up and kind of skim mm-hmm. and get the message. And then there's some books like yours, which I'm loving that I'm like, I could dig deep in this chapter okay. for a while. Like this is so much good stuff. So I just really thank you. Like there's so much good stuff in each chapter that is not just like, let's just skim mm-hmm. over this and dance over this and move on to this subject. But you really... Um, each chapter, there's so much to dig into that really I'm excited like to sit down and read it slower and go through and get my Bible out and like, oh, yeah, I totally this is something I needed to hear. Oh, I'm so glad. So thank you so much. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. Yep. So again, the book is um, Nice, Why We Love to Be Liked and How God Calls Us to More. Um, so Sharon, why don't you just tell us where we can find you online and how we can connect with you? So my website is sheworships.com, although my poor, sweet little blog has been 
basically neglected because we have so many things going on and that means I can't do everything (laughs) and the blog has gotten a no lately but you can also just find me on Instagram at Sharon H. Miller and I'm pretty active there and, and try to just be encouraging to everyone who follows me on there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we'll have all the links and stuff in the show notes too. But thank you, Sharon, so much for being here. And I know you've encouraged me and I guess that you will be encouraging my listeners too. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, friends, I know that you just enjoyed that interview with Sharon. So much good stuff. I love hearing about um, even in the midst of church planting and raising kids that she took time to really explore those thoughts in her mind. Is it enough just to be nice? Is it enough just to be good? Or really, what is that doing to us as Christians? What is that offering to the world? Oh, such good things here. So um, today's walk it up verse is Ezekiel 3.11. And so this is what it says. Um, God concluded his instructions with this command. Go now to your people in exile and speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or fail to listen. And I love that, that God is commanding us here. This is his instructions that we are to go and speak and say, this is what God says. And when people, they can either choose to listen or they can choose not to listen, but we need to be authentic. And going back to what I told Sharon, um, just thinking about that little girl who was so confused, which was me, you know, so confused to hear how Jesus was turning over tables and, um, you know, scattering people and asking them to leave the temple because I thought this is wrong. He's not being nice. But then when I see Jesus standing up for what is right, standing up for justice and doing the right thing, um, and he spoke the truth, you know, it says here again in Ezekiel 3.11, he, you know, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or the, what they fail. Jesus was giving um, the crowds, the Pharisees, he was sharing the truth of God, the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's kingdom, whether people wanted to listen, whether they didn't want to listen. Um, when you think about it, there's tens of thousands of people that he spoke to in his ministry, and he had the small group of followers. He had 12 true disciples and then other followers after that. There's a lot of people that he spoke about, the kingdom of God, that didn't listen. And I think that's just an encouragement to us. I think so many times we want people to like us and we want them to like our message and we want them to believe in God. If we share God, we want them to believe, but sometimes they won't. Sometimes we'll never know the seeds that we plant and the fruit that comes from that, but we just have to go out and share. And I know I'm encouraged. I'm thinking about, you know, just even uh, messages that I haven't shared lately, um, whether it's on social media or even with my kids, things I need to talk about, the, the, the serious stuff, not just the God loves you and has a good place for you, which he does, but also just talk more about um, the things that hurt God's heart. And so many things um, are, are wonderful that people need to hear. They need to hear it because they need to know the truth of God, the whole truth, not just the nice part, not just the nice truth. So um, let me just take a moment and pray for us. So dear God, I just pray for um, our listeners now. I just pray, Lord, even now that they will realize that um that maybe it's going beyond being nice, but really sharing the truth of the gospel and sharing the desire of your heart. And um, whether it is stepping out of our front door, whether it is being truthful on social media, which I think is so easy just to put 
on our facade and social media to really dig deeper um, and share more about the real stuff and let people know that Christian Christianity isn't just about being nice. Lord, I pray, um, like we read in Ezekiel, that we will be able to say, this is what the Lord says. And then whether they listen or fail to listen, it is up to them. We just need to share the truth. I thank you for sharing. I thank you for the time and the dedication that she put into um, writing this book. And I know that it will be a blessing. I just pray a blessing over her and her ministry. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friend, I am so glad that you tuned in to Walk It Out. I love connecting with people. It's almost like my guilty pleasure. I just get to get on in my room with the door closed and talk with amazing people and share um, and hear how God is speaking to their hearts and then share it with you. So it is a joy for me to do. But I also love when I hear from people, when I hear that the stories that we're sharing matter. So I would love it if you would drop me a line at hello at trishagoyer.com and just let me know what you think of the podcast. If you have any guests that you would recommend, I would love to hear that. So let me know about that too. And also one of my favorite places to hang out these days is Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, make sure and look for me there, which is just Trisha Goyer. Um, But also be sure to check out my website. I always have new blogs that are up every week. I'm giving away books. I'm interviewing authors. I'm um, sharing articles and blogs that I've written. There's always something going on. Um, And you also want to maybe want to check out my free writers challenge. So if you just go to um, trishagoyer.com, you'll find out more information about my seven day writers challenge. If you ever wanted to write, it's completely free. I take you through seven steps, um, seven activities that you can do from your own home and learn how to either become a better writer, start writing, um, work towards publication, all those things. So again, all that is on my website, trishagoyer.com, and you can always find this on the show notes, which is, um, and if you go to trishagoyer.com and click on podcast, you will see graphics with all my guests, and then the show notes are there. We have information. If we talk about any books or resources or I mention anything, it's all right there for you. So thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. And I pray that you'll have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.